Okay. <clears throat> you ready? No. Well, we're going no matter what. <laughs> this episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. So in case you're not aware, it's halibut season. Mm. And you can find the freshest halibut at, uh, it's just landed in all of Zupan's stores. Wild Alaskan halibut is there, flown in for the ultimate freshness, hand filleted from whole fish in store. And Zupan's has the freshest seafood available in town, and you'll, you know, you'll always find a great deal. I always find a great deal. There's always something there that I like, and I particularly love that at Zupan's, and I haven't seen this elsewhere. I'm sure it exists, but I, it's right there most every time I can get swordfish, which I used to have all the time yeah. back east and haven't been able to enjoy out here as much. They also have a great and gorgeous selection of spring flowers. I love going, and most of the time when you walk it into a Zupan's, they have say, put the flowers right there. It's the right introduction, there. beautiful oh, yeah. flowers. Stop in, make your own, or have one of Zupan's creative specialists make a custom arrangement for you. I and score always, some points. You, oh, you scoring some points with Randy I've with always, those? I've always used them for Valentine's Day, which is now past, but main their spring blooms look awesome. Yeah, but flowers shouldn't just be for Valentine's no, you're Day. Right. Flowers should be... All the time. Fine, Chris. I'll stop there on the way home. <laughs> yeah, let me give you relationship advice. That's the way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, April, Zupans is going to feature the Cameron Winery from Dundee. You'll find specials there all month on their Pinots and Chardonnays. And uh, they're also going to have a, a tasting on April 14th from noon to five of Cameron Wines. So get down there for that. Very nice. Three locations, McAdam, West Burnside, and Lake Grove. And of course, always at Zupans.com. Soyez le bienvenu à la podcast Droite à la Fourchette. Very nice job, Court. I'm impressed. Thank you. It's not always I whip out my French, but I decided to do it today. Yeah, well, let's not let's not talk about that. But um what? But yeah, no, yeah, I have a difficulty whipping out my French also because mine goes back to junior high school. Yeah. And I can still remember, you know, bonjour Jean, comment vas-tu? Right. Très bien, merci et vous or et toi. You've got a nice accent. Yeah, well, I've been over to France a couple of times, but I have to say I still rely on my Google Translate. Right. So, um, and it does a pretty good job with menus. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much all you need when you're in Paris is menu help. So, but uh, this gentleman's been to Paris. A uh, um, time or two, and he, he grew up not far from, I guess it would be a couple hours north of, of Paris in Normandy. Yeah, is that north? I believe it's north. I'm showing I'm my, north, I, you know, I know my American geography northwest. very well. but Normandy's uh, on the coast. Yeah, of, now that I knew it was on I the coast, is, but I had a feeling it was just directly west. But um, It might be I, northwest. Yeah, well, we're just doing this because we're trying to prompt people to actually respond. <laughs> there we go. In the comments. Yeah, do, do so, this. Go give us a <laughs> give us a five-star rating, but then also you can criticize our lack of geography. Someone's got an answer right now. Oh, okay. All right, I'm going to turn that off. Sorry, I didn't turn my phone off. Uh, yeah, no, it was a pleasure to have Dominique Jolan here um, yeah. with his son, Matt. Very, We've never really had a, uh, a spectator, so to speak, right. family member who came to watch, and then they ended up being part of the interview. But I think it was kind of... It was kind of cool to hear his perspective. It was great to get his perspective because we were talking to Dominique, a guy who his father was a baker. And so that was kind of the course kind of set out for him, which... Yes, his father was a baker. And uh, and so we talk in the... The reason we brought Matt into the conversation is we wanted to see if this is going to be a generational right. thing. If you know, Because I think... Dominique had, you know, he he mentions that he grew up in a place where there, you know, there weren't, it was a different time. Yeah. 
and a different place. Now, Matt here is in the United States, and there's a lot to distract him from being a, a baker, his son, when he grows up. So or he's grown up, actually. Right. It's just a matter of making a decision. We, we could have had a conversation with Dominique and Matt for the entire thing, just talking about the, the, the differences between growing up in France and the opportunities there and growing up here in the United States and the opportunities here, because you're... The light, your course is set out so differently in the different countries. It's crazy. Well, not only that, you've got the, the timing difference. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. The fact that Dominique and you and I didn't have a cell phone in our hands when we were kids. Right. Um, and we talk about that, too. But, mm-hmm. uh, but so what we haven't said is uh, our guest Dominique owns Saint-Honoré Boulangerie. Yes. Here in Portland, there are four... I'm, I've got a bag in front of me. One, two, three, four. Lake four. Oswego, Southwest Broadway, Southeast Division, and Northwest Thurman. Right, and I've, I've, we're, we're chomping down on some chocolates right oh, now. Oh man, thank you for bringing those in. Oh, my pleasure. We're recording this after we actually interviewed Dominique, but I was over at Saint Honoré, right near Atala, in the in the Northwest store uh, just now, mm-hmm. and so you got how many of those chocolates are still left? Well, I've had one. There's four left. <laughs> And uh, okay, so that's five. Yeah, I, I think there were probably over a dozen in there when I started, but you know, it was a long trip over here. Yeah, minutes, minutes before I got. And we here. talk about these very things in the podcast. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, before we start the podcast, which is coming up right now, I just want to mention really quickly. I just uh, put a new event for Portland Food Adventures onto the onto the website, mm-hmm. and it's at Enoteca Nostrana. Kathy Wim's new place, and uh, Chef Devin Chase is going to introduce us to that new beautiful place that just opened, if you're listening to this when this podcast first releases last week, which would be in mid-April, and, uh, and we've got a really nice dinner there, and uh, we're following that up with Tanner Creek Tavern, new chef over there just announced, Jeff Larson, so come join us locally for some great events, and then, of course, we always would like you to take a look at our trips to... Barcelona and Mexico City and Sicily, and see if you'd like to join us there with Chef Jose from Atala and some other folks, too. They're great trips. PortlandFoodAdventures.com is the place where you can get the lowdown on all of that. I love that you punctuate it and just end this. Thank you. Well, you know. Nice. But so that ends, and now this begins, uh, interview with Dominique. Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more, with a delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupans, on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove, and at Zupans.com. Eat well, put taste first, love your food. Ringside Hospitality Group, owned by the Peterson family for nearly 75 years, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape. And Ringside Fish House, in the heart of downtown, boasts the freshest seafood and an exceptional wine list. Both serve the world-famous onion rings that James Beard claimed to be the best he's ever had. Visit ringsidesteakhouse.com and ringsidefishhouse.com and make a reservation today. Join right at the Four Coast Chris Angeles for once-in-a-lifetime trips this fall to eat and sip your way through Sicily, Mexico City, and PFA's famous trip with Italo chef Jose Chesa to Barcelona. 
See the exciting itineraries at portlandfoodadventures.com and find Chris's contact information there too. If you love food and travel, these trips are for you. And make sure to check in on local PFA events and by San Pellegrino, iconic, fresh, Sparkling water with extraordinary Italian heritage is a refreshing way to enhance any dining experience. Ask for San Pellegrino by name next time you're having a great meal. Ever since its founding in 1899, San Pellegrino has been a premium brand synonymous with style. It was nice that you could come in today. Well, thank you for I, having me here. I appreciate it. You yes. know, it's, it's nice to have someone with a French background in on a spring morning, right? That's what I equate with. April in Paris. April in Paris. When was the last time you were in Paris for uh, April? I was, oh, for April, I don't remember, but I was in Paris last uh, November. Last November. How yeah. often do you go back? It depends. Uh, I try at least once a year, but it all depends with my schedule. And what is the main reason for going back there? Just... Uh, uh, family first. Uh, all my folks are still living there in Normandy and uh, wherever I can connect with uh, any of my colleagues and uh, visiting new things and eating good food. Although we've oh, they got have pretty that good food in, here. They have that in Paris? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and so when you got here, what year was it? 1980? 81, the very first 81. time. Gosh, yeah. So you were leaving a pretty incredible... Food, food geography yes. to come to Portland, Oregon yes. in 1981. Yes. Um, it ha- I, I, well, I want to go back to your childhood a little bit. But, right. And, and your, how you developed your love of food. And when you sure. graduated, you went, to the, um, you went to baking school. Yes. Correct? Yes, in France, in, Nor- in Normandy. Yes, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that. But okay. first, as long as we're on the subject. Yeah. Um, you left France to come to Portland in 1981. Yeah. What was the draw, and how did I want? I'm curious as to how they found you. You had to be a young guy in your I was teens 19 or 20s. years yeah, old. 19. So 19. You know, at that time, I mean, I was baking, and I went through all the 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 apprenticeships and the school and all of that. But so yeah, the food was probably not what was the most interesting to me, but the adventure of being offered to come to the USA was definitely where it lied down on. Had you ever heard of Portland, Oregon or Oregon? Uh, uh, no, no, the, actually yeah. not. Uh, I do remember I had a cousin who had a one-year experience in uh, Backy somewhere. And when I told her that I was going to Portland, she goes, what? Where is it at? You're going to get so bored over there. There's nothing. <laughs> I, got the, I got the same thing when I go to my reunions in Connecticut. The people are wondering why I went here. And you know what? It's kind of it's nice that I don't reveal it. Don't come. If yeah, you're going to exactly, ask that question, exactly. stay there. <laughs> you know, it's funny. When, when, when I first moved here, I was encouraging everybody, and now I don't do it as much as I like, yes, want to come. Yeah, come. I know. Just so, come and visit, and that's it. <laughs> you know, maybe not even do that, because I feel like when people visit, they're not going to want to leave. Uh, right? Well, that's tell, adventure, happens, yes. tell them to leave in February, or come in February, uh, yeah. or November, when it's not that great. Yeah, but see, if you tell someone from New York or Chicago to come here in February, they're perfectly happy because right. it's... it's not freezing. It's not freezing. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. So that's why, why I fell in love with it. It's like, I don't have to shovel anything or do anything. 
So yeah. what was your impression of Portland when you first got here? And were you well, that was, uh, like the first when you touched down at PDX and then you saw Portland, did you immediately beat cars? Pardon me? Big cars. Big cars, yes. Big roads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everything was big. Yeah. Especially um, then. The cars of the 80s. Especially then, yeah. That was the cars of the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, you had those big monster cars. Right. <laughs> and they were kind of, well, I don't, looking back on them now, they, some of them either look absolutely ugly or absolutely cool. Right? So it's one for me, it's one or the other. Although yeah. then they're... A lot of them, but coming from France, where you had the Citroën, would you pronounce that properly? Citroën. Citroën, yes. yes. But I've always heard of like a little bit of, <laughs> I'll try my French. I took it in seventh grade. Um, and the Renaults. And the Renault. The, but the Citroëns were always very unusual. And they, they were, still are. yeah. Oh, they still are, yeah. 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 They're very, um, yeah, they were avant-garde. In their designs and uh, the engineering and all of that, yeah, definitely. And back then, you could buy one here. Oh yeah, in the yeah, US. Yeah. Well, my, my first car in the U.S. was a little Renault Le Car. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> and I loved it. You did. What? Oh what, yeah. What was lovable about that car? <laughs> it's just. It was just fun for me, you know, 19 years old, driving a little Renault in in Portland, America. <laughs> so, did you buy it here, new, used, or had you? Oh no, it was new here. I bought it new here. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember how much that was back then? Oh little... gosh, it had to be. Uh, Roughly eight, nine thousand dollars. That yeah. much, I okay. Think so. In the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom's Pontiac Le Mans was three thousand dollars in nineteen sixty nine. So uh, that, yeah, that's my benchmark. Yeah. But that was <laughs> eleven years earlier. But this is a Le Car. <laughs> this is a Le Car. Yeah, the car. You know, <laughs> you, and I would have to imagine those were American executives that came up with that name. I would imagine. So. I don't know, but yeah. it was pretty funny. Yeah, and yeah. none of them still exist. We have no one, no, no. one who's listening, no one who's listening no. to this podcast have seen one no. in the last twenty years. When, uh, when, uh, so I when I first came here, I stayed about four or five years, and I was driving that car, and then I had to go back to France, and I sold it to a friend, and two months later, I heard that he wrecked it, so it's all gone. Was he still alive? Because I, I would oh, yeah, have to yeah, imagine. Yeah. No, the no, no, safety... it was fine, but it's just the car was wrecked. <laughs> I know, but it wasn't, it was a pretty compact. Yeah, com- yeah. compact with, oh, without yeah. airbags and all that. Oh, yeah, stuff, no, so. at that time there was, uh, yeah, no safety, just a seat belt. Barely. So I'm sorry to focus on cars. I happen to like them. And I and when I go to Europe, I'm always marveling at all the beautiful cars they, they have do. here that we can't have here. I know, that's true. And no. it's just, to me, it's such a shame. But oh. now, you talk about big cars. I was in Paris recently, and you're starting to see Land Rovers. Oh, there. yeah. Yeah, all over. Yeah. yeah. So, it's a it's a different world. <laughs> um, so, what was, the, what was the bakery scene like? So, you came to work at Le Panier? Le Panier, yeah. Le Panier. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what was the scene like here then? What did you think? Gosh, there was, um, there was nothing. And we were the pioneer in uh, that artisan uh, food theme, you know. There was just nothing. Uh, the closest you could see food to what they call a French bread was made by a Pierce Bakery or something, sold in the plastic bag, and that was it. And um, in the restru- restaurant scene, there was uh, nothing that I can remember besides L'Auberge. That right. was probably the uh, the closest that was to an upscale French restaurant here in town. We've heard that 
that name a couple of times come Le up Berge. in five years on the podcast. Mm. I remember Adam Higgs worked there. That was a reference Best. back then for the French cuisine, yeah. And was it, how was it? It was good. I mean, it was totally fine. It was uh, probably uh, the, the closest to what you could see to uh, in France as a, as, a, as a French restaurant, yeah. So I had, I'm going to jump ahead and jump back. I had a, someone I met in, um, through my friend in Gascony uh, introduced me to a chef and he came to Portland and I gave him the, the full day, you know, uh-huh. driving here and dri- and I took him to Baker and Spice yep. and we had my favorite uh, uh, whole wheat croissant there, mm-hmm. which is not what you would think. It's just, mm-hmm. it's really good. And he loved it. And yep. he said, you know, in France now, a lot of bakeries aren't making their own croissants. They're having them shipped oh, in true. from big, yeah. big, is that, yeah. is that true? That's- well, yes, yes. I mean, it's, it's definitely uh, common or more common over there, yes. And I mean, even the little, the little ones are shipping them in. But I know I was mm-hmm. at a, a little spot in Bordeaux right um, above, not Bordeaux. Yes, it was. Right above bakery. I smelled it. So yeah. I know it was they were being baked. But the thing that struck me in Paris is I could go for and pick out a zillion pastries and four croissants and I get out of there for ten euros. Uh, right? Yes. Like the croissants are a, are a euro a piece. I don't remember how much they are now, but yeah. But yeah. and I'm and I'm only asking this from a business sense. I've noticed it was the last couple of years here in Portland that a croissant used to be a buck and a quarter, buck fifty, two dollars. Uh huh. They're up at the three, three fifty, creeping to four well, lately. What is the reason for that? You know, the um, there's a lot of changes in the economic dynamic of of operating a small business here in Portland. So it's it's more the business than the cost of goods, the wheat. Uh, well, there's the, a combination of both because right. I mean we've been a surge of increase in food cost, in minimum wage that went up, uh, everything is ramping up and uh, it's it's getting tougher and tougher for uh, small businesses, small restaurants to uh, to keep up with the pace. And do you think it's going to, uh, it's only going to, you're in some pretty uh, high-end locations, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. you're not in the... You're not in the grow, you know, the smaller growing areas. You're right. in the established areas yes. in the Northwest, yes, Lake Oswego, Broadway. Yeah, um, are you set up for the next five years? That you do you foresee that you know you're every time I walk into one of your spots, it's crowded. So you got that going for uh-huh. you. You got uh-huh. steady volume business. Well, it's every day you have to fight for it, and so this means uh, even if it costs more, but prime location is what's going to make it for you. Uh, if you tend to go into the neighborhood that are not so prominently uh, food traffic or good exposure, it, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. So um, you're, you know, you're coming up on 25 years old now. That's yes. A joke. <laughs> <laughs> but you've been here for a while. So you, we can do the math. You got here in 1981. You've been around for a while. Yep. Yep. Do you, you said you've got to fight the fight every day. Do you ever get to the point where you're tired of fighting the fight that you want to just relax a little bit? Uh, this is more of the my competitive side of me that comes in and entrepreneurial side of me that comes in that well, every morning I'm ready to put up for the fight, at least for now. <laughs> Does it seem like, I mean, it shouldn't seem like a fight. 
It's just it's business. It, it's and it's business. Yeah, it's business. But you know, you have to be uh, you have to be up and ready for it every morning. You uh, put a foot on the on the ground there, and uh, get ready for you know every day you. So the other aspect of operating a business like us is that every day is a new day, and you have a new chance to succeed again. And you also have new challenges. And every you have day. new challenges too. Yes. So what are the what, how would you cite you opened in 2003, the Two, first one? 2000, yes, 2003. So yeah. you obviously had startup challenges then. Yes. And you'd never owned, you'd never owned a bakery before, I would imagine. You, uh, I was part of other organizations, but I never owned it on my own by myself. Yeah. So are there things you recognized when you owned <laughs> it yourself and it was all on you that you didn't see when you were in other operations? Well, I think what was in my favor is first I was very young and, uh, but really what made it for me is that, uh, I was fortunate and lucky that I grew up in this environment and I learned what it is like to operate a small business for my parents that did it for 30 some years. And I've seen, I mean, since I was born, I've been in this environment. But that's different in France than it is. No, yeah. it's not, it's not different. Really? You, you still have to, I mean, you still have to count your money at the end of the day and make sure that you have enough to cover for your expenses. Well, that's true, but there are different issues. Like you have uh, different issues, but still issues that you have to adjust to. So you took the how so to go back, you spent time as a kid in a bakery? Well, I grew up in the bakery. You grew up in it. Okay. Yeah. So, so every this morning, is what you were going to do. Right? What what do you mean? You're gonna be a baker. Well, that was kind of being the oldest of the family, that was at that time kind of the natural way to follow up in the footstep of your parents. Did you uh, do you remember looking back? Yes. Because you know, they're kids hit a rebellious stage. Did you always want to do that or was there something else you wanted to do? Oh, there was plenty of other things, but uh, I knew that um, especially um, after graduating from the school and then being offered the opportunity to come over here, that was an eye-opening for me to really uh, measure the opportunities that uh, was presenting itself to me. But you were already on your way. So you graduated high school and you went yeah, to yeah. you went to baking school. Yeah. So you'd made that decision. And do you remember when you made the decision that you, no. this is what I want to do? No, it's just kind of came naturally, you know, and uh, that was it. I it mean, was, yeah, it was just understood. It was just understood. And and, and back then, you know, uh, you were not like today's generations facing so much bombardments from everything that you see on the net, I mean, you didn't have too much to think about. You were just doing it. Yeah, well, think about the difference. I think I about know. it all the time. I do, that if I you, do. If you, you say to anybody younger, and you say to your son, yeah, take away your phone, right? And take away the, the internet. internet, And yeah. all you got now is four channels on TV. <laughs> that was it. And you got to tune in and watch it when it's on or not, or just go in the woods it's, and do something different. Exactly, so, exactly. It's pretty incredible. So uh, for me, you know, uh, growing up at the bakery, it was in a small town on the coast of Normandy, maybe a couple thousand people living there. There was only two major bakeries, my dad's and another one. And then um, 
I got to go to the city of Rouen, which was a big city, you know, to learn the baking. So it kind of changed the entire uh, environment that I was used to and discovering what it was like a big city and going out to see a movie and doing stuff with friends. And so that's just uh, how you discovered the world back then. How big was the town that you grew up in that you came from and what was the name of it? Etruta. 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 And how, how many, what was the population? It's about 1,500, 2,000. Okay, and yeah. then Rouen? And Rouen is, I don't know, 300, 200,000. Oh, that big? Yeah, it's a big city. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a little bit of a contrast It was a big you. of a contrast, yeah. So I had the good fortune of hosting an exchange student from the Alps. I don't remember the name of the yeah. city. It was the town. Yeah. He, my son went over afterwards. Yeah. It was pretty small. So he had, uh, he grew up there, he, I think he was what, 14, 15 at the time, gets off at PDX, I take him to the <laughs> waterfront, and yep. he'd never been in a city that large before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had, it was incredible for me to see the wonder in his eyes that Portland was, he hadn't a been to Paris city. yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that Portland was the big city. <laughs> so, and then, and but Portland wasn't as big then when you got here. Well, maybe it was just about as big. It was you know. about the same. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. As, as as Rouen. 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 Yes. Court, I'm gonna. You need to pronounce some of these things. I, my French is so old now. I, I don't want to embarrass myself. I'll just let you do that. Mine is too. I do bad. I do terribly <laughs> enough in English to start to start challenging myself with French. And did by the way, when you came here, no, I was not. You, you were not flu. You were not speaking. Not at all. Not How long at all. did it take you? Uh, it's hard to say. I'm still learning today. You still learn new things. I mean, but but do you have to? You have to think when you're speaking. We just had, we just had Nang from Nang's Kamangai on, and it, she's from Thailand. She's been here for uh, over ten years. Yes, you can tell she's still laboring to uh, think yeah, of yeah. the language. No, and, I, I, and I feel I think for I'm, her. On I, that. I, no, right now it's more of a uh, a fluent stage for me that I don't need to think so much about what I want to say. But, you know, I'm still discovering new words, vocabulary, or I don't know, but yeah. Did it, how long did it take you when you got here? Oh, gosh. It's hard to say, because, you know, you go by stages, I guess, or, yeah, no, I don't know. But when you're working with other people, isn't that a little bit, makes it a, a little harder? It makes it a little you're... harder, and what was even harder for us is at that time, uh, when we first started Le Panier, there was four or five of us coming from France, and we were all working together, going out together, doing everything together. So we, we, we were not exposed to speaking English all the time, or forced to, you know. So it took probably longer than what it should have been. Made Le Panier <laughs> pretty special because it was oh, well, very yeah, authentic. Definitely, definitely, if that's, yes. They were so serious. Absolutely. They were plucking people out of bakery Absolutely. school in France. We had so many people just coming to speak French with us. Where was that? Where was it located? The original location was just down here on 2nd and uh, Southwest 2nd and Ash. Okay. Right across from near the uh, Saturday Market and all of that area. I yeah. assume it's not still around. No, it's not around and anymore. And what, what happened to that? What was the demise of... Oh, uh, I think the owner uh, basically uh, grew older and uh, kind of let it go, and the business shut down eventually, and yeah, that was the end of it. There's still one location in Seattle oh. on the Pikes Market that you okay. can still go and visit. 
uh, was actually taken by one of us that's the, uh, that's left over there operating the business. And I guess it's doing pretty well at the market. Oh, yeah. Well, the yeah, market no. is there. Yeah, they got those little donuts yep. next to it, too. Yep. Yep. So, yep. Which, which were the impetus for Pips uh-huh. to start their yep. little thing over there, yep. too. So. <laughs> Um, I got a nod over here. We have your son here, so he's <laughs> yes, Matt. <laughs> yes, Matt is. Um, Matt was all in on the pips. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. So, um, did you back then? Um, oh, how many bakeries were there in Portland then? What was the, the that scene? was just us? That was it, just us, and we first started, and um, uh, and then after that, there was. Uh, couple of uh, other ones that came on board. There was a small one called Delphinas at that time. Just closed recently. Yeah. And then Grand Central came along in the early 90s. And, mm-hmm. uh, but at that time, really in the, um, in the concept of a small artisan bakery, we were the first one here with uh, doing what we were doing. And how many do you th- estimate there are now? I don't know. There have to be... Oh. Three dozen? Oh, at least, yeah. At least, At yeah. least, yeah. If you consider all the surroundings, yeah. Right, yeah. or the number of locations or, that yeah. Grand Central right, has. Right, right, right. Oh, at least, yeah. Yeah, so it's a different It's a different world. A lot mm-hmm. of carbs out there. Mm-hmm. And, but, and when you started, there was no there was no pressure on gluten-free anything. Do you get a lot of those questions at your bakery, and do you just, how do you respond? Well, so we do. I mean, uh, but we do also have a few uh, gluten-free options that we offer there. Salad. Uh, salads, yeah. <laughs> Soups or some pastries that are made uh, gluten-free, but the hardest one is dairy-free. Yeah. I would imagine so. For us, there is absolutely nothing we can do without butter or milk or cream. Mm-hmm. And so where do you source all of that? Locally. All locally as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we get a couple of uh, larger distributors that supplies us with all the commodities and stuff like this, but mostly uh, everything is local. And are you import? do you import anything from France that you... Uh, not directly, no. But some... just your knowledge and your experience. That's so, it. What's that? Just, just your the knowledge. knowledge. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Chris, super excited to be able to say this that this episode of Ride the Fork is made possible because of some great support from Ringside Hospitality Group. Yeah, that includes Ringside Steakhouse, mm-hmm. which of course everybody knows about. But we need to be reminded, and we're going to have a few things that are going on there that would key folks to uh, jump over to Ringside, and of course Ringside Fish House right downtown. Some of the best fish available and that same quality that you've been experiencing at Ringside Steakhouse for years, they've, uh, they've adapted that to fish as well. So some things that you might want to be aware of that are going on, Steakhouse Prime Mondays. Every Monday they offer a $35 three-course prime rib dinner. It includes mixed greens. You get a 10-ounce prime rib with your choice of potato followed by Ringside's creme brulee for nice. dessert. Mm. While supplies last, you know, that's great because I just discovered a place out in Manzanita that has weekend prime ribs, and I've been kind of thinking that was something I don't get in Portland. You do, in ringside. You could also, if you're not in the mood for steak on Monday, you could go to the Fish House for Dollar Oyster Mondays, where you can get the best oysters for just a buck a shuck. And uh, <laughs> I love I love saying that. I'm, yeah, I had to avoid stepping in. Yep. But uh, also, uh, wind down Sundays. Every Sunday, Ringside Fish House offers 50% off most bottles of wines from a wine list of over 600 labels. 
So that's valid in the dining room only and some great reasons to go back to ringside. You can make reservations online, which I always love. Ringsidesteakhouse.com or ringsidefishhouse.com. Um, so I be, have always be, been a huge Chuket fan. Chuket. 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 Yes. Just keep working, man. You'll get it. <laughs> I will not get it right the next time, but I'm going to try to remember Chuket. Chuket. Fan. And so I don't know where else I've ever seen them. That was my first exposure to them. Are they, a, were they, are they, they a popular thing? It, it's, in, it's popular in France. Yeah. You pretty much see them in all bakeries in France. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But here, for some reason, I uh, started it when we first started Saint Honoré, and uh, it's been one of our top signature items. Well, they're uh, always right by the register. They are right there by the register, yes. And, mm-hmm. and we bake them fresh as we go. So, I know. Yeah. And, oh. and I've been there a few times where I see one or two bags left, and I'm the eighth <laughs> one in line, and I'm just saying, just that better be there. And I've also found that those are one of the, um, one of the great... Uh, Items that you can get to put a, put someone's a, a smile on your someone's face. Well, when you're going to meet with them or greet them, true. you bring some of those, exactly. and there's automatic happiness. And and there's a, a sense of uh, a simplicity to the product that makes it so that you instantly connect with that product. You're not being intimidating with some high end, highly decorated pastries or flavors that are too exotic. This is. Plain, simple, and good. That's that's all about Saint Honoré. Plain, simple, and good. How would you describe a chouquette? A chouquette? It's chouquette. To someone who's never had one. Well, a good friend of mine referred them as little bowls of love. Mm. There you go. That's the, that's the way a Frenchman would describe those. And they are. I have tried, I can think of, I don't know off the top of my head, but at least two or three times to get out to the coast with some remaining for the next day, yes. it doesn't happen. Oh, I no. can't do it. No. You no. just they're just too easy to pop. Exactly. And well, what is, so, what's what's the definition of chouquette? Choux. So choux is a uh, you know the uh, uh, puff balls. Um what do you call them over here? Um oh gosh, uh, cream puffs. Cream puffs. Okay, so that's the same base as a cream puff without the filling. And uh, so shoe cat is, is, is coming from the shoe, but cat is a small shoe. With petit, a little, petit shoe. little sugar. And a little grain sugar. Yeah. Grain sugar. Yeah. Uh, uh, rock sugar. Yeah, those are great. And um, now, see, I'm distracted. <laughs> <laughs> I, got those, I got those on my mind. Yes. Um, uh where was I? I'm, I'm kind of, I got to find a, a spot here to go. Court, mark this. <laughs> Not marking it right now. It's a beautiful thing about podcasts. <laughs> yep. Is that we can do that. And we're, we're, we're all good. Um, I'm here. I'm with you. <laughs> no, I know. And you're relying on me to ask you a decent question. So um, I, I think we, I think we've had a nice interview so good, far and I don't want to break that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so do you, um, Lately, do you, do you still enjoy French food in Portland? Oh, of course, yeah, sure. And are there uh, any particular places that you find stand well, out? Well, it's so hard because now the food theme over in Portland is getting so sophisticated that it's almost so blended with French culture that almost everywhere you can trace a flair of Frenchness in the cuisine that you see here in Portland. And how do you think that's happening? Because I don't think. 
a lot of Portland chefs are spending much time in France. No, but... Even, even Gabriel Rucker opened Le, Le Pigeon. Le Pigeon, yeah. Let's, yeah, yeah. let's pronounce it that way here today. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, without ever having been to France. To France. But it's... So, first of all, there's been such a culture of French cooking that came over here to Portland with uh, very talented chefs uh, throughout... Uh, Vitaly, for one. Right. Haley. Exactly. And and they... So, they... they uh, came in here and uh, with enough time and patience to transmit their culinary arts to younger generations. And then through the, 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 the curiosity of people investigating and, and searching for uh, the, the searching for the best of the best, you know, th- via internet and, and reading and all of that, you can acquire so much. And I think that's one part, but the other part is also uh, the bountiness of all those ingredients that we have here locally. And that energy of, uh, you see those little farmers here producing locally and also bringing new products that were not known here 20-some years ago. And all of this is kind of creating that energy to develop the flavors, develop. I mean, and as long as you start with good products, then you can do anything you want. And if you, uh, if you, that's the appeal. What's uh, that? Yeah, and and, if and it you, wasn't when you came, though. No, it was not. But it's it's through all those years of bringing and developing the culture over here that it evolved. So as long as you have that source of quality ingredients and the basic techniques of uh, understanding how to combine those ingredients and the flavors, then then the sky is the limit. Do you think the average cook and the average diner can recognize, hey, there's some French technique in this dish, or do you think it's just at the point now where we've got a melange, perfect word, of, um, of different styles and techniques and backgrounds that it's hard to discern? That's a tough question here. Um, because I know the Bistro Agnes, the, the Dentons just opened that, and yeah. that's, they're patterning that after the food they loved in France yes. so much. Yes. And, you know, they're using techniques that they do use. I'm sure some different ones, absolutely. But now this is their way of saying, of highlighting France. Yes. But they've... They still have, they're classically trained and they've used lots of different techniques in different cuisine. And I th- would imagine sometimes it'd be hard to tell what was it, Superbite versus what's it, Bistro Agnes. And I could be wrong. I'm probably just y- yammering on, but I'm just thinking that. But that's how Paris, you create. French the- has such, France has such an incredible um, history and yes, reputation. Yes. But, Do but, we see it? But I think uh, in answering your question is is it's how also people get to develop their own style, and then if that style is being interpreted correctly by the customers, then that's how you build your reputations. Right, but there are probably a lot of customers who are having something that was developed from French technique as a base, yes. and they don't realize it. So they probably don't understand or realize the underlying of how it's put together. But I think when they see it in the plate, they can make a difference and they can perceive there's something more than what they've traditionally been seeing out there. I guess I was I was really thinking of um, 
and I don't know that much about it, but the a lot of the awards in France yes. that are given out. I mean, there, yes. there's no, there is nothing like that in the United States no. where you have to go no. through so much. Yeah, and you know, it's yeah. so much pressure. Yes, um, and so we we don't, we're a little more relaxed with that, and uh-huh. it's, we're not as uptight. Uh-huh. Is that a good? I don't know if that's a good word, but in France, I mean, it's you participated in a yeah. baking yeah. Uh, competition when yeah. you were younger. Yeah. You did the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. I'd love to see that. Do you yeah. have pictures of that? Uh, not with me here, but I do. You do. Yeah. They're uh-huh. they're actual uh, un- printed on Kodak paper, yeah. right? They're mm-hmm. not on, nope. on yep. the internet. Um, and that, was, that had to be pretty tough for you, right? You're competing with a lot of incredible people over well, you there have to, to win. Yeah, and, and that's, I guess that's part of the difference is, well, uh, I don't know if it's a difference or not, but you constantly have to push yourself to the limit. And, and if you don't, uh, then you're left behind and, and you have the newer ones that are going so fast and so quickly that they, they'll push you out and they continue. But that's how the, 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 the society evolves, I guess. That's how you continue to the pursuit of uh, being the best. That's true. I was just hearing, I was just watching, you know, baseball season opened and they were talking about now 30s old. In mm-hmm. baseball, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's evolved where there's so yeah. much strength and power. Exactly. What What is it that you think that uh, if we went into uh, your bakery right now and looked at some of the items, what is it there that your experience over the last, let's say, twelve, fifteen years has made far superior than you could have produced when you opened your first bakery? Oh my gosh, I don't know. That's a tough one to well, say. Well, you're saying you're, pu- I'm just curious because yeah. you're pushing yourself and I just want to know, is it, is that with cooking or is it business when you're <laughs> pushing yourself? I think the hardest is, is, uh, with putting out the products every day is to meet the expectations of your guest and learning, uh, how to listen to your guest what they are asking for you, what they're expecting out of you, and being able to gradually deliver that expectations. But you know much more than your guests, right? So you well, know, so the, yes, yes, and no. I mean, the the, the guests uh, they will always constantly bring you uh, new thing that you that makes you think about what can I do more than they are asking for now. So maybe not so much criticism. Uh, this needs. Uh, this would be better if it had this in it, or salt, or someone. Yeah. Um, but but uh, items that they might enjoy. There, there's items. There's um, also how they um, how they. What's the? That's a tough one to say. This so. Um, they're always asking for. I think the biggest thing is our customers feel good when they know we're there to listen to them and they feel like they're getting that memorable experience from us. Mm-hmm. So and how does not, that manifest itself? Is that you're not in every the, store all the, the time? interactions. So. No, I'm not in every stores, but I'm trying to train my staff to be listening to that. And, and be attentive what about to that. things like Yelp? How much do you pay attention to those things? Uh, I don't pay attention to those things. At all? No. no. Okay. The most important is what are people are telling me face to face. 
That's interesting. Yes. Because there are all these forums now on the internet. I know. To get but feedback. They, well, so I, I, I do look at them, but the most, uh, I want that direct connections with my, my guest. I guess that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, if I see something that comes on Yelp and that needed immediate attention because we failed to do so, then we'll take care of that and correct that. But to me, uh, a customer's coming and, and, and sharing experience or asking and, uh, about what we do and how we do it and, and giving them that sense of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, sense of belonging, participation, participation. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you walk to, uh, any of our stores, you know, you experience that. I mean, it's open kitchen. You can. You, you 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 don't only see but you can smell and and hear and then feel it you know this this is the whole uh experience well, that we want to bring bakery yes exactly got, you so know a little bit of flour here and a little the, bit of dust there you know but that's a bakery yeah you know it's coming from down you know where you are yep. down the street yeah that's a great thing yeah but it's interesting that you mentioned that and i don't know if i want to key on this but i find it i find that uh Lots of times I'm telling myself to shut your mouth. Just it's not going to make a big difference. But I'm more apt to be complimentary in person. Mm-hmm. And if I have criticism, I found I like to go to the email. Email, yeah. If, if because it's just a little more comfortable, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I can bring up an instance, and I have brought it up recently, a few months ago. Uh, I so, asked a chef asked me how I liked the soup. Yeah. And I said, oh, no, 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 it was, a, it was actually the fish and chips. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's a little on the heavy side. And mm-hmm. the conversation inco- uh, ensued. And then he looked at me and said, oh, so this is chef to chef, right? A little yes. passive aggressivity yes. there. <laughs> and I was a little pissed off. It's like, I'm trying to give you my, f- you asked for my feedback. You said, yeah, how is exactly, it? Exactly, exactly. And then you're, now, you're getting, now I'm giving you my opinion and now I'm not good enough because I'm not a chef. So... <laughs> So that, that and, and when things like that happen, I, I retreat. Yeah, I'm like yeah, I don't. Yeah. That, I didn't need that negative experience. So, so we do receive um, um, situations. We we have um, people that are expressing themselves like in, in uh, via the emails or, but when it's on one on one, yeah, we'll definitely pay attention to that. But to look at the Yelp reviews and how many stars you have, well, okay, that's fine. That's nice to see, but. How much does that represent who you are and what you're trying to do? Right. And also, you're really good at what you do. So if someone's going to have criticism towards a certain item, it's you have to well, almost suppose, that, that, yes. sorry, they don't know really how a croissant is to be yes, baked. Yes, I'm good at what I do, and and uh, I remind myself of that, but I'm not always perfect. Yeah. There's always room for doing better. And do you get around to some of your competitors to see how they're doing and what they're doing? Uh, I like to pay attention to what's going on, yeah, and kind of stay in tune with 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 the with the trends. Yes, definitely. So, what's the, what's the latest trend in a French bakery or a bakery in town? Uh, I haven't seen much of a trend. You know, there was the big craze about the macaron, and that's still pretty strong right now. Mm-hmm. There's been the cannoli de Bordeaux, that's still pretty strong. Uh, so uh, there hasn't been a major, major big trend lately, but, but good. You know. So we're not talking about cronuts. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, what did you think of that when you saw that happening and that getting the news in the press? Well, good for Dominique Anselme. 
<laughs> oh, is that, see, I don't even know who was doing it. Good for him. <laughs> but I don't think I've, I don't know if I've ever had one here or if I've ever seen one. No, uh, I don't, I don't even think there is, there might have been some attempts. I'm not sure. But, you know, it worked out for him and good for him. And I don't, you don't, I think it's gone now, right? They're not. Oh no, they're still there. They're still there? Oh yeah, they're still there. Oh. Yeah. From okay. what I hear, from what I hear. But I'm just saying as far as a trend, I haven't heard about oh, him trend. in a few years. Uh, yeah, no, I no, think I'm it sure was specific, pr- it was very specific to, to this particular locations and and he uh yeah get a good buzz out of it so speak speaking of a buzz out of it how do you feel about the portland donut scene does that two things does that does that impinge on your business a little bit no no different audience it's a a different different audience different 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 category different experience i think in fact it's just complementing each other's Mm -hmm. and it just kind of overall kind of help the entire industry more so yeah court definitely um Portland has seeped into uh, Dominique's system because you said you're a competitive guy, but generally everybody here is just happy for everybody else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I never, I didn't experience that on the East Coast. Yeah. When I came here, that chefs would tell you to go to the restaurant across the street. You should try that. Yeah. That would never, no, never no, happen. No. So yeah. but now you're, yeah. you know, some other competing. Because let's face it, someone can go to Saint Honore and yeah. have coffee and something, or they can go to a they go to a donut shop yep, and have yep, coffee. Totally, so totally, totally. And um, so your your son Matt is here. Are you going to go into the business? You don't have a mic, but um, that's potentially an option. Yeah, kind of kind of learn the ropes. So we'll see how. It, Are how you it in goes. school now? Um, I was. I was studying in Bozeman, Montana. Oh, Montana cool. State, and uh, kind of got a little bored, so I came back here and started learning the ropes. I guess. Oh, so you're on your way. Yeah. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah. How does that feel for you? Great. Love it. Yeah. I mean, you're still, not going to say it sucks. No, I know that. no. But, you know, he's, uh, he's still pretty young. He still has a lot to learn and discover. So I only uh, wish him that uh, he'll uh, benefit of all the opportunities that I had when I was his age. And is he hard on you? Pretty easy. <laughs> pretty easy. Good. Yeah. Because I know when I considering the reputation in of, sports, my father was always way harder on me <laughs> than he was anybody else. I was running more laps than anybody else. So, <laughs> I considering think, the reputation of French chefs, I think I think I have it okay. Yeah, <laughs> well, but he's Americanized now. Yeah, right? yeah that's part, Portlandized. Yeah, Portlandized. Yeah, exactly. Portlandized. <laughs> it doesn't seem to me. I think that after how many, so how many years is that now 36 37 yeah something like this did yeah. you ever think that when you came here you were going to stay um when i set foot over here i knew there was something important that i would gravitate around and it was and it i was wasn't quite sure what it was city. i wasn't here so i hear yeah, from a lot of people it was completely a different city but i knew there was something in here that i i was very not only intrigued, but passionate about. Do you remember when this guy, this pianist from who had been in Paris came and opened a place called Paley's Place? Do you, does that, is that on your radar? Uh, yes, yes, a little bit. So what did you think about that? Because I'm asking, not because I want you to compliment Vitaly or, no, 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 but because that was a, that was a significant time Time, in the Portland food Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I thought it was a very, um, um, 
he had uh, he had the right thing with him to do that at that time, and uh, all his uh, his passions is is really what amazed me the most for what he could do and how he he took on this French culinary culture to the level that he took it. It was pretty amazing. I just think I'm I always am. I always marvel at the fact that he was uh, such a wonderful pianist at pianist, a young yeah. age. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And won all sorts of awards. Yes. And then at 17 just said, I don't want to do this. So then to apply that amount of skill and that amount of talent and just move it to another field, another endeavor, and then excel at that, I, uh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. But I think for him, it worked a little bit the same as it did for me, is that he had developed the sense of uh, um, a passion for something that he put entirely himself into it. And then when he discovered cooking and cuisine, he put the same amount of, uh, the same level of energy into it. And because he had acquired those skills for doing the piano, he was able to continue that level of passions into something else, something different. I'm sure he would do something else in something else he would be as successful. So I have noticed, and this is no slight to any Americans, but like right next door to you is Jose Chessa yes. from a, a towel. I've, yeah. I've had the good fortune to get to know him yeah. very well. Yeah. Um, there's a certain passion to Europeans that is noticeable. Um, and I've noticed that, I probably shouldn't say this. I've noticed that dating too. <laughs> that Euro- European women, no, they're they're much more tuned to the heart and yeah, poetry and yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. So you're mentioning that about Fatali. I'm sure that same thing, you know, that same thing exists in you. You've talked about the passion. Yeah. I don't necessarily know that with, in all the interviews that we've done here since 2014, we've heard the word passion in that uh-huh. context come yeah. up yeah. as much. And I know Jose has... It's said the same. the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it about Europe? What is it about Europe that we're missing here in the United States? Probably the uh, the 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 ingrained culture for so many centuries and the whole history behind. I don't know. It's a kind of a deep inside the culture. It's just more romantic. Do you think it's the art? It's, it's more, a combination it, of everything. The art, the poesy, the, the painting, the, the architectures, the everything that has been passed on from generations to generations. I, that's got to be it. It's got to be the, the, the history, the deep history uh-huh. yes. that goes to not only the, art, the museums that you see, but the architecture. Yes, exactly. And you stand there you and you think, at those oh cathedrals, I mean, how they were able to conceive such an endeavor at that times of building those cathedrals. I would, I remember standing in the, in a square in Florence last year uh-huh. and we were having this marble ch- uh, church in front of us and took 137 years to build. To build. And I thought mm-hmm. that guy's coming home from work at night. He can't even describe what, he doesn't even know what it's going to end up looking like. Right. Because yep. they didn't have, yeah, models out front, and he's working Blueprints his butt or anything, off, and yeah. he's going to die before it starts. Yeah, and then you know what? And they didn't have 
trucks to pull the to bring the marble. This is marble. Yep. Have you ever picked up a yep. piece of marble? Yeah. Yeah. And I just think, and then I, then I'd step back and go, well, it's not only there. If I look to the left and look to the right, there are twenty other places. And then if you zoom out, yep. the whole the whole yeah. region, the whole country, yeah. the whole continent, yeah. same thing. So I think it's it's out of this build that sort of uh, being able to recognize what it took to get to here. Whereas over here, I think we have it's so easy to get anything that we want. We lost that connection with what really it took to get to here. And and it's only getting more extreme. Exactly. You know, exactly. I've always cited that um, the generation today is just gets frustrated because you can't just click and make something happen. Yeah. You have to actually yeah. do it. Yeah. And um, and I can't say I've always been the most driven person either, but I couldn't click and, you know, get mm-hmm. frustrated and say, oh, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. You have, have to actually physically yep. do things. Yep. Yep. So um, how do you think that, how do you think things are going to look in 10 or 15 years in this country? When you know you've, you're going to have a generation that do- doesn't have the uh, foundation that you have, I, I think it's part. That's no slight to you, Matt. Yeah, just, <laughs> just making sure you're not feeling. <laughs> you're, you're, I don't mean to. I'm just curious. You know, we're all curious. Should probably ask you uh, what you think. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's just so. Do you think that you've you've grown up in a world where you click yep. and things happen? Mm-hmm. And so, even even in the world of restaurants, you know, there weren't point of sale systems before you actually actually write a check out and yeah. do it by hand. by hand. And now, so do you feel as though you will have enough of the passion, the heart, because you got you got French in your bloodline? Mm-hmm. to accomplish some of the things that your father has or that a Vitaly Paley has. Um, and you were born here, I assume. Yep. Yeah, I was so, born in Portland. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're a Portlander. So I think, like, my my generation, my age, like, we're right on this cusp of, of the technology, like, advances, I want to say, because we, like, my age, I, I was, like, one of the last generations to play with a Game Boy or you know a Nintendo 64 for example so we did experience like the early stages of some of these technologies <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but just you, you know a pong yeah right? i was going to say he has just in the, just in the past pong. like like 15 years the amount that it's, yes. it's no, grown I'm, the fact I'm that i'm aware because i have kids that are in their or sons that are in their 20s so yeah. they the game boy was game boy was new to them and and the fact that you know the game boy is like in your smartphone now that like that's still a pretty big gap that we've seen so i feel like we're i'm kind of lucky because i did kind of see like where we started from <laughs> and where we're at today i love that he's <laughs> where, <learning. laughs> where, whereas now you know i you know you have a <laughs> you have you have a kid you know uh, my brother just had a baby so my little niece and couple years she's probably gonna have a smartphone like right off the bat you're gonna right? be and a completely like, di- i mean yes it probably won't even but be I a also maintain that you're you you at least had electronics to start with we had you know yeah sticks yeah well yeah <laughs> i remember our first our, computer wasn't how old i was like nine maybe 
Okay, I yeah. was thirty something. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember when turning the TV back then, you had a white dot on the screen, and yeah. you had to wait for that white right. dot to open up the full screen, and then you could see something. <laughs> and you had to adjust the, the rabbit ears so yes, that it was yes. <laughs> so that it was uh, good enough. And you had and and by the way, no remote control. No, we no, had a, you had we to had, get out of the couch. <laughs> we had a yeah. Zenith TV when I was a kid that. Um, it had a remote control. It clicked. <laughs> They call them clickers now, right? So it clicked. It had two metallic things in the front that would tell the TV to change. So you could... Yeah. So it's gone a long way. Yeah. So I'm just... I wonder how that's going to make its way because in baking, you've got to do... you got to do things the old way, although you've got now ovens that are the, uh, more controlled. And I think it's going to be a continuation of... Uh, progress is going to continue to make its way and people will have to adjust and yeah i don't know it's it's um it's going to be a a constant evolution there's definitely uh, i feel like no excuses like today to not be able to do something because there are just so many opportunities like available just with the internet you know you have such a vast amount of information available that if you can't get something done and it's you know probably on you i i noticed today that someone asked a question on facebook that's like what does this do and i thought why are you asking someone on facebook just look it up <laughs> yeah. you, you know you don't need to do that but um but also i but for your generation things are a little tough because it looks like you know what you want to do which is great because there are a lot of us who well, i don't know we'll just get a uh, a liberal arts degree and see what happens. Mm. You really have to know what you want to do and start early enough to to prepare there. So I feel like you got to try finding what you want to do early enough. Yeah, but man, I'm still looking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, I, like I probably is. I didn't have anything. Well, I did. I, I, you know, my father was on Madison Avenue, so I ended up going into advertising. Yeah. So I guess I'm not yeah. giving myself credit for that. But I didn't have the passion. I didn't feel like, oh, I have to do this because this is gonna you know this is what i have a passion for so you do do you feel like you have the passion for it or you just I feel like i'm developing the passion okay yeah i feel like it's the passion is there just because i mean it's been part of my entire life so it's just naturally there so i feel like just growing on it and continuing to build off that is just only going to strengthen it and you know maybe one day i find that it's not my actual passion but i'm not going to look back and be upset at where I am today. Did you ever have that thought? Maybe I'll, someday I'll find that it's not my actual passion? Do you it's, remember? Uh, it's hard to remember how you thought when you remember that. I think once you get started on the role, and the more important for me was to always find something that I really enjoyed doing, whether it was within the baking part of it, you know, and uh, seeking for new adventures, seeking for new creations, thinking... So as long as I had that with me, I was totally fine. And so how do you fulfill that? By the way, what do you do outside of the bakery? We haven't talked about that. What's your life? In, are you enjoying Oregon, I, oh, the yeah, Oregon no, Wild? Uh, I, absolutely. Any opportunity that I can go out there visiting the coast or the mountains. Um, not so much anymore and taking long hikes, but any time that I can go out there, yes, that's, that's what I What do you enjoy out there? Just the... The calm... The, the scenery, the, the 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 landscape, all the beautiful things that we have here. So you talk about passion, and 
uh, when I moved here, I realized after a couple of years, I thought, I have never felt a relationship with geography the way I do with Oregon. In, in Oregon I've never yeah. felt like yeah. I'll, I'll tattoo the state on my chest <laughs> like I would, and I didn't do that, and I'm not doing it. But I have, you know, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I will toot the Oregon horn all I can, or in my heart, I just feel like I, I only need time with nature. Yeah. Here. Yeah. And that's pretty good. I never yeah, felt is. like that in yes. Connecticut or Arizona or where yeah. I've been. Did you feel that way? Yes. In it's so easy to connect with nature here. And uh and I guess the main thing is you don't have to go very far for that. No. It's right there. Anywhere you go. And it's part of everybody's uh, not everybody, but a lot of people it's part of their whole yes, psyche. Yeah. Is to is. have to be part of that. And, so, I know where I came from, it's like you skied, you went there to ski. Yeah. Um, but it was never. I'm I don't gonna... feel like I need to travel all over the world when I'm here to see something. I've got it here. Yeah. And between that and uh, needing some some dough on the bench, it's all therapeutical. I feel good. So if you're both, I want to ask both of you. You're going to a desert island. You can only take a bag full of your favorite mm. baked goods. Mm. What are you What are you going to take, Matt? Shuket every time. That's it. Yeah, most okay. people got birthday cakes growing up. I got a pile of shuket. What about um, What about a, a bread? What's your favorite? Uh, uh the seeded facel. Seeded facel. Seeded facel. If I'd go somewhere. And I can take one thing with me would be a bag of flour. So I have ways of doing many different yeah, things. Well, you did. <laughs> but if that's all you have, you you need more. You need more than that. So I get. So yes, the shikets we, we yeah. agreed yeah. that if, the, if you have nothing else, do that and then start there. And but you've got all these beautiful uh, <laughs> things in there, and your soups are great too. Thank you. Just a quick question: Are you getting out in, uh, when you're out in Portland, Eater? Do you have some favorite places that you that you like? Uh, it kind of goes along with my mood. I don't have a very favorite place that I would mention, but I am very uh, curious. Well, I'll ask it this intrigued. way. Then. Your your family friends are coming in to Portland, and they yes. say, "Oh, I hear there's a great food scene here. Where should I eat?" What do you tell them? Food carts and be adventurous. And there's a lot of. Uh, Fine establishments. I mean, uh, just to mention Vitelli. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's hard to say. Okay. Because the options are so wide over here. And, and so at, then your friends are going to leave and they're going to say, okay, well, we had a really good meal at Macaroni's, at Macaroni Grill. And you're going to say, no, I didn't mean that. No, not no. necessarily. There's nothing wrong with, with what they're doing. Okay. I, I would get. I I'm too controlling. I have yeah. to. No, I have to I, make sure I someone's going to. There is. I want room someone for, to say that was a good idea. Yeah. No. Well. I mean, there is room for everyone. That's what's beautiful over here is that you have room for anyone. There's a lot of room for. There's yes. And for all you the could, different tastes and uh, how much you want to spend and what do you want to like. I mean, what do you want to try? Well, good. Well, I'm glad we tried you coming in here. <laughs> I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. It's a I'm, pleasure. I think you're a sport to do it. You did. Yes. I don't think you knew what you were walking into. No, not much. And I <laughs> did not listen to any of your podcast just for that purpose. Okay. So do you think you might listen 
going forward yes. to someone else's other than yours? Yes. Will now you? that now that I see and I know how you work, I'd say yes. Oh, I appreciate it. Yes. So it's uh, it's been our pleasure. <laughs> we have to have more father and son teams. There you in go. Here. I think that would be, yeah. we've had husband and wives. Yeah. Before. Yeah. But uh, or parent and child. Well, be, next next time I'll bring you my dad because he comes over here and visit quite often. All right. So we what we need to do is have a little forum. We'll have Jose. <laughs> there you go. Jose's oh, there father. you go. With all have, you father? His, yes, have you met his father? Yes, of course. And now my father and his father are pretty good friends, too. Oh, that's that's good to hear. Because <laughs> they've crossed each other quite often here. Well, we'll have to have translators. So I, yes. sp- I spent uh, a few days with Jose's father in yeah. San Sebastian. Yeah. And then there was one instance where Jose, we were supposed to meet Jose back, and we, uh-huh. we didn't communicate properly where that was. So I was sitting on a park bench with his father <laughs> for two hours <laughs> and was without internet, right? I could yeah, look everything yeah. up. Yeah. And I, you know, it was... I took Spanish in high in college. Yeah, that's where my yeah where I met my ex-wife. Yeah, so I wasn't paying attention too much, but it was after about an hour and a half in where things were just somehow coming out of nowhere, and I was starting to think in Spanish, which was pretty cool. I've never had that in my life, and it lasted for a half hour. <laughs> it was over. Well, I'm glad this lasted more than Thank a half you. hour. Thank you so Thank much you. for Thank coming you. in. Nice meeting you. Man. Thank you. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. 